Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I just had to make sure it was still morning everywhere, <laughs> but it is. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our special edition Empower Panel, Be Your Own Hero. And I'll tell you why it's a special edition in just one second. Uh, but first, I want to start off by welcome every welcoming everyone to our Empower Panel. We are 9 Wonder Women, and we are a nonprofit organization with a mission to um, provide mentorship, education, networking to women in 911, and have been doing so for about three years now. So our Empower Panels are one of our favorite programs because we like to bring women together in the 911 profession and talk about things that maybe aren't talked about quite enough. So we like to take on different kinds of issues from the normal panel sessions that, that you might see or hear. Also, exciting news, we now have a YouTube channel where you can go and check out every single Empower panel that we have ever done, which is exciting. And also, we are now available as a podcast. So you can take us with you um, wherever you go. I like to listen while I'm folding laundry and doing the dishes because I hate both of those things. And I find that listening to awesome women speak just helps me through that process a little bit better. So um, thank you again for joining. Um, thank you, Kimber, for putting our link to Spotify in the comments because I meant to do that and I couldn't find it. Um, so uh, if you are listening to this later, we do have a live audience here with us on Crowdcast. So we'll be chatting with the folks in the audience as we go, and we'll try to remember to read their questions before we answer it. Um, if you are live with us, you can interact with us via the chat. And then also, if you look at the bottom of your screen, there is a Q&A feature and you can submit questions to us that way as well. So um, my name is Sarah Weston. I'm the founder and executive director of 9 Wonder Women. And we are calling this a special edition because one of the initiatives we've recently taken on is the idea that not all 9 Wonder Women wear headsets. And what I mean by that is there are so many women out there in the 9 community who don't necessarily sit where you sit or take 911 calls or um, have ever taken a 911 call. I speak for, <laughs> for myself and um, I'll have I'll have these other incredible women introduce themselves in a second. But the reason why this is so important to our industry is while women in dispatch are not underrepresented, they're uh, more underrecognized, but women in technical fields that help support 911 are definitely um, underrepresented. And if uh, we are out there um, keeping you in mind through what is being built through 911, um, then we're doing everyone a disservice. So, so that is our session for today. We have folks who are in on the private side of 911 uh, talking a little bit about um, issues, things that we have gone through as women, and what we've learned along the way. So having said all of that, I'm going to introduce our incredible moderator, Samantha Hawkins, and I'm going to um, throw it over to you first, and then we'll have everyone else introduce themselves. So here you go, Sam. Awesome. Always a pleasure uh, to be here and to moderate another great session. And for someone like me who does come from beneath the headset, this is a truly important topic because we realize that the 9-1 Wonder Woman community, it's not exclusive. This is about women empowering women and men of 9-1-1 and also those who support 9-1-1. And these incredible panel, these include women who support 9-1-1, 9-1-1 technology and help us beneath the headset to be better. So I come from Marietta, Georgia, Cobb County Department of Emergency Communications. I am a CTO and training technician and proud member of the 9-1 Wonder Woman tribe. All right, ladies. Okay, Lynn, why don't you start us off? Sure. Um, hi, everyone. So my name is Lynn Hauserman. I'm a corporate vice president at Motorola Solutions. 
Um, my responsibilities include, we call it emergency call management software, and then also cloud infrastructure engineering. I should really get a much shorter title. Um, <laughs> you have a long title. <laughs> um, so I've been on the telephony and software side of 901 since 2000, which is a really long time, I realized. Uh, so our portfolio, it includes both 911 call handling, so the Vesta, the CallWorks, you guys are all very familiar with, with this software. We think the latest data I saw is that like 60% of 911 calls are handled by one of our 911 call handling um, applications. So if, if you love it, talk to me. If you're mad at it, it's okay. Um, it, it, we also have NGCS, which is Next Gen Core Services, and that's the network and software that routes the 911 calls um, to the appropriate 911 dial. And then I have cloud infrastructure engineering, which you guys have heard, I'm sure, all about moving to the cloud, everything's going to the cloud. Um, and so it, that's really just our modernization efforts to take what has previously been in the back room and, and um, offer it in a, in a cloud environment instead. That's, oh, and you guys are already seeing my Glennon and Brandy. Yes. So um, I'm sorry, I'm distracted by the chat. But yes, uh, I these are, um, I think, relevant to any meeting that I'm on is both these women. Oh, yes. We love, we love Glennon and Brandy mm -hmm. so much at these parts. <laughs> so, Lynn, I have to tell you, I, um, I teach a basic next gen course, and I always, say the cloud is just somebody else's computers <laughs> yeah. yeah i think we all have a sticker that says that it, yeah it, it's, uh, there's a lot of value in the cloud we could talk about that but it's super boring um but but yeah it, it really you know it's, it's about sort of just modernization and and also cost effectiveness of 901 and so we're really focused on on that yes thank you Thank you so much. Sandy, please, ma'am, introduce yourself. Good morning, everyone. I'm Sandy Yokely. I'm the CRO and Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Watson Furniture Group, which is, uh, you're like, what's a furniture person doing on a 911 Wonder Woman call? Um, we make the furniture that dispatchers sit at. Um, so what we do matters, right? We want to we want to provide the furniture that, that helps you do the best job that you can do. Uh, lives depend on it. I've been in the console industry for a shorter period of time than I've been in the furniture industry. I've been in furniture for 27 years, and for the last six years, I've been part of Watson's console division. Um, so I'm honored and uh, still learning. So I'm grateful to be part of a committee with or a panel with Lynn, who has years of experience and and um, honored to be the female representing Watson in this panel. So in my spare time, I am from North Carolina. If someone notices the accents a little different than Washington State where we're located, um, we, my husband and I run a ranch. So we're responsible and sustainable farmers uh, raising beef cattle. So that's what I do for fun, not into furniture. I didn't know that. That's yeah. really cool. Oh, now I have a whole other list of questions, which <laughs> I work a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> so if you doubt how important furniture is, um, let me tell everyone right now, I'm at the uh, Florida Abco conference and did not have time to check into my room. So I'm here sitting on the floor. Um, so I'd really oh. appreciate some oh. lots of furniture right now. <laughs> <laughs> That is amazing. That is amazing. So I, your environment, Sarah. Good job. Yes, good. <laughs> so I guess going ahead and getting started, the question to start us off is we want to know from each of y'all, what does it mean to be your own hero? The us in the 911 world, we're used to the hearing that not every hero wears a cape, and we know all about that. And we like to say, Yes, some of them wear headsets, but mm -hmm. y'all represent another side. On the private side, y'all are heroes. And when you said about, uh, Sandy, about, oh, you know, I'm here on this panel and I just do, ma'am, those furnitures support us and keep us going. You better believe dispatchers in their chairs <laughs> go together. So going around, starting with you, Sarah, what does it mean to be your own hero? What does that mean to you? 
So I love how you set this up because a lot of times in 911, we feel like we're everyone else's hero, right? Um, yes. Saving the day, whether that be the public or first other first responders or whomever. Um, so when I think of being my own hero, I think of taking some responsibility and control over what happens to me. And that everyone comes at that from a different lens, right? So um, for years, when I first started working, I felt like everything was out of my control. I was a young woman in an older male-dominated field of technology consulting, and I just felt like <clears throat> I had to take everything that I was given and and I, I wasn't able to take control and step up and take control of my career in any way. I was waiting for somebody to come and pull me out of my situation. And mm -hmm. when I started to make progress is when I started to reach out to other people. You know, it can be little simple steps. So um, being my own hero was saying, you know what, I'm going to set this goal for myself and I'm going to do A, B, and C. And while I might not reach the goals I set, it takes me to a different path. So I think it's just kind of that realization that I can do things for myself that will put me in a better position to get whatever it is that I want. And also realizing that, and we'll talk about mentorship later, I know, but mentors and people like that aren't in your life to save you. They're there to guide you and, and help you be your own hero. Love that. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. That sets the stage. That's amazing. And, and like, even like you said, we're thinking, we're always thinking in terms of saving the day for others, but saving the day for yourselves. But like you said, having that circle, and I know we are going to get into the mentorship side, having that circle of people who hold you accountable, help you to be responsible and save the day for you sometimes. So now moving on to you, Lynn, what does it mean to be your own hero? Yeah, so I think, I mean, the, the word hero is is interesting to me. Um, it's, it has historically been a pretty gendered word. If you think about the, the heroes in, in, in history have been men, and normally they are saving someone, and a lot of times they're saving a, a, a more vulnerable population, like a woman. I mean, you think about Disney, right? Like Disney heroes. So I'm not like I think it's it's about reclaiming that word. Um, I'm I'm happy that that as a as a society we're using hero for both men and women, and not no longer using heroine, which sounds like heroin. Let's just say hero. Um, so I'm 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 happy to, to to claim that word back for us. Um, but I think of hero really about sort of defending and protecting. And then I apply those to myself. So my concept of, of being my own hero is one, understanding my strengths well enough that I know when I can bring them to bear and leverage them successfully, either to the benefit of myself or someone else, right? So that's that's the, um, the defending. As far as the protecting side, I think it's equally as important to understand your own triggers, vulnerabilities, your non-negotiables, um, so that you can bring boundaries, care, grace to yourself, right? Protecting yourself, because I mean, we always hear this analogy about putting the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on your, you know, on your kids or anyone else you're traveling, your husband, uh, anyone else you're traveling with. Uh, it, but it's so, so true. And I think I've learned that over the last, 20 years is that unless I'm protecting my own space and my own self and my own mental health, um, I, I can't give to other people. So I think just learning that that's how I am my own, I'm a savior has, has meant a lot to me. You had me at two parts when you mentioned about <laughs> the non-negotiables. Oh my gosh. Going back to reclaiming that we can say no when we need to say no when we have to say no and also when you talked about boundaries boundaries is such protection mm -hmm. and something that we struggle with especially us females us heroes on this side and that is that is a nine one on the nine one wonder world and y'all nine one wonder woman on the private side 
again, on the technical side, dealing with a male dominated industry, I know that boundaries is so important and protecting yourself and protecting, like you said, what, you know, even the non-negotiables of, and um, I just love that. Sandy, what do you say, ma'am? What is be your own hero means to you? You know, um, something very different and, um, Hmm. and that's okay, right? I've learned to be okay with it because for me being my own hero, I am by nature a supporter um, I, I find purpose in life, helping others and being my own hero, I get great satisfaction out of that. And it, um, not at my own expense, certainly, right. Still taking care of yourself, which I think we, we all as women have to learn how to do to some extent, cause not a, bit, a lot of people are going to do it for us. Um, but it gives me that grace to be able to help others and it it gives my life purpose. And it's so my hero is helping others. And I've had so many help me on the way here that I feel a little bit like it's giving back and that, that works for me. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for even bringing that perspective, that viewpoint to it, because there's, I know there's going to be a lot of 911 Wonder Women who will say that that's it. Like, okay, I understand about the boundaries and the protection and everything, but that's what empowers them. It empowers them empowering and helping and supporting others. And the fact that you have that awareness of it, but I mean, I'm sure you've been doing it many years and doing it with mastery. I love that you tackled that for us coming up that realizing that be your own hero does have a different look to it. So that's, that is incredible. Definitely uh, awesome that we went around and, and discussed that. Hmm. <laughs> and of course, we have to acknowledge the fact that we, all of us on this panel, uh, do come from a sense of, of privilege. So here's the thing. We've all in our own right uh, either have established ourselves uh, where we're at a point where we know what it is in terms, but how do other women help? How do we help them? How do they help themselves get to that point? Because Lynn, Sandy, Sarah, yes, of course, we still have our struggles. And me, I'm still establishing myself too, but we're at a point where we know what it is. There's going to be those listening and saying, but how do I get to that point? So Sarah, starting with you, how do they get to that point? How do they get in touch with that? I think the first step is asking that question, just kind of knowing that it's possible. I think if you're sitting there asking, well, how can I get from A to B? That's that's a good sign because you're not you don't feel so stuck like it's impossible. You may not see the path quite yet, but knowing that it's possible is kind of step one. Um, I think that in the age we are now with social media, it's even, people are accessible and people wanna help. So um, Valerie put in the comments here, women helping women. There are so many of us out there who have gone through our personal struggles to get where we are. And I think everyone on this panel recognizes that we wouldn't be where we are without the help of others. So. Asking yourself that question, how do I? And then putting yourself out there enough to identify somebody who's a couple steps ahead of you and where you wanna be, whatever that may be. Um, Whether it's a a CTO or someone in the private sector or even outside of 911, I hate to say that, don't come at me, but, but, you know, you have to protect yourself, right? So um, identifying what that looks like, if we can see it, we can be it, right? So identifying what that looks like, who's doing that? And Mm. can you reach out to that person? Can you shoot somebody a LinkedIn message? I will encourage everyone I want to be on LinkedIn. It's like, you have to. And um, I had a, um, a mentor of mine mention that she got a new mentor because this young woman reached out. She made it a goal. I'm going to reach out to 10 people I admire on LinkedIn. 
It's going to be a couple sentences like, do you want to have coffee? Or it, it may look like, hey, will you meet with me on Zoom for 30 minutes? Here's what I want to talk mm -hmm. about. And just, you know, sent 10 messages and got, you know, didn't get a reply from everybody, but got replies. So I think step one is knowing that it's possible and then reaching out to people you admire or who have done it, who can then help you identify what those next steps are, because it is just a series of tiny, courageous baby steps, like our whole careers, our lives, you know, we, as we learn and we grow. Um, so it's just important that you, you take that leap of faith. I love that. I love that. And Lynn, uh, now continuing with you, talk about please, how do uh, Sarah offered her viewpoint, how do women get in touch and find like, how can I be my own hero? And if you would address as well, why do you think it's important mentorship, female mentorship, finding that as well? Yeah, you know, I think I think mentorship and representation go hand in hand, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you have to, uh, Sarah, you, you, you said something that I think about all the time, which is it's hard to be what you can't see. Um, and so that sort of sums up representation that you need, you need to see versions of yourself or, or, you know, um, in where, where you want to go. So, so I'm on the software side. So if we're, you know, it's technology, software engineering, STEM, right? We're just trying to get females in the door, like in entry level positions. We're not even trying to get them into leadership. We're just trying to get like, a pipeline and a funnel of young women that are interested in these careers. So, so my challenge is, is a little different, but when I look at 911 specifically, um, I think what frustrates me is, is there are a lot of women who have chosen this industry and this path for themselves, but then when you get into the leadership position, there's this massive drop off of representation from women, which I really think is a bigger problem than what I face with just trying to get girls into like, them, right um, because I think that cliff that of at the leadership level um, so we actually we call that uh, in our industry not the glass ceiling we call it the broken rung so the broken rung is the first step from an entry-level position into the first supervisor manager right the next the, the next the next rung and unless you can solve for the broken rung who gives a crap about the glass ceiling because women can't get to the top if they can't get off the ground right i think yes. um you know there's some stats that i'll give you one stat that drives me crazy so recent data shows uh, for every 100 men promoted from an entry level to a position only 87 women get that and only 82 women of color promoted so that doesn't that it's a huge disparity if you think about it. And they did a they did some research, and this was in the private sector, I'm sure it's worse than the public sector, that there's only been a 3% increase in total women in manager positions between 2017 and 2022. So we're not making a lot of progress very quickly here. Um, and so you think about, okay, how do I solve that, right? Because mm -hmm. Sarah, you mentioned, nobody's gonna pluck you out and elevate you, right? So how do we solve this for ourselves? And I think it does come back to mentorship, but this may be a little controversial. I I think that mentorship needs to occur not between some rock star female leader that you've identified and you, you know, wherever you are in your career, like it needs to happen. Representation needs to happen at every rung of the ladder, right? So if you have managed to go from an entry level position to your first supervisor position, you're a mentor. If you if you went from the private sector to the public sector, the public sector to the private sector, there are other women that want to do that. You're a mentor, right? If you've left the workforce because you had babies and, and you spent a couple of years out and then you entered, re-entered the workforce, you're a mentor. Like, so I think we, we, we can't, I think as women, we can't just keep on thinking of mentorship as, as the place, the ultimate place, because there's not enough of us up there <laughs> like we can't nobody can spread themselves too thin and 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 i also think we're we're selling ourselves short if we think that we don't have something to give to women with us right that are just maybe just one step one step away from from where we've managed to be so i don't know i just think sharing um sort of wisdom and experience and advice connection references like all the stuff that we have to share at every level of our career path that's how we change the representation problem ourselves. 
Well, you have me on board because the way you explain that, I love it. The idea of that's empowering, that you can provide wisdom and insight at every level and every rung. So it's not like you said, the ultimate goal of, oh, now I'm mentor worthy. I love that. That's And so, Sandy, what do you say? How do you say about, again, bringing women and, and, and bringing them to that level where you're at now, like you have that awareness of this is what makes me a hero. How do you help impart to them to find what makes them a hero? And if you would address as well where your, uh, your viewpoint on mentorship and, and developing that. Uh, like I said, I wouldn't be here if I didn't have wonderful mentors along the way. Um, and I, before I got on this call this morning, I texted my number one and sent her a note and said, you know, I've been thinking a lot about you because of this. And, um, and, and in so many ways, guys, I mean, the simplest stuff. And this is silly, but it matters. You know, I did not start out in a leadership role. I was the, I called myself the Coke and cookie girl, right? We had job fairs. I put out the Coke and cookie and I, that was, that was what I did. And, you know, somebody saw something in me and reached back, right? That's what matters is somebody reached back to pull me forward because Kaylee posted, uh, Lynn, you, you made a, you mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when we met men apply for a job when they only meet 60% of the qualifications, but women feel like they need to be hundred percent. Right. And that stuck with me too, because we don't for whatever reason, uh, cultural reasons, um, centuries of being taught that we have responsibilities that don't necessarily mean that we're going to be in leadership roles, whether that's in our communities or in our jobs. Um, but those leadership roles are family traditionally, right? And, and that's the one that we've genetically feel most qualified for. So if someone hadn't reached back to me to say, hey, let's Let's take it to the next level. You've got something more. And even this is the, this is the silly part that you may think is, how is that relevant? Hand me down clothes that were business clothes because I didn't even know enough to dress myself. Right. I same. I I grew up in a very rural community and didn't, I I had no idea. Right. I'm just right. liked it wasn't necessarily the clothes that were dressed for the job you want Mm -hmm. I wasn't dressing for that job I was dressing because I had a job and my mentor gave me some beautiful hand-me-down clothes and even today I told her I'm wearing some pants you gave me because (laughs) she's here in my heart right (laughs) that it's that it's that simple right it's not you know there there is don't be afraid to ask Right. For somebody to be your mentor, Sarah, like you were talking about, go on LinkedIn and say, hey, do you want to get a cup of coffee? But on the flip side of that, it's our responsibility to reach and say, can I? Are you open to? Would you be willing? Look for that spark in someone and ignite it. Yes. Right. Gosh, yes. I just those perfect. (laughs) Um, you hit on so much and I just, I wanted to kind of reiterate you, as we go, and this is kind of something that, that Lynn said as well, um, as we go through our career, we even kind of forget sometimes, um, what the entry level women are, are facing and needing today. Uh You know, it's been 18 years since I was entry level. And wow, I could certainly mentor someone who's entry level. I probably couldn't do it as well as someone who's like five years in the job and, um, you know, has broken that wrong, right? Because things are different, right? They they change. And it's, um, it's that's that's important. And I think that if we are women who have overcome something and you don't have a mentee, let that be your takeaway today. Like, go pluck someone and light their spark. Sandy, yes. <laughs> that is a takeaway for me. And even when you mentioned about the hand-me-down clothes, I, that just got me. Because some, it, it sounds simple, but it's so true. How many, on top of 
how do I interview for this job? How do I even dress for this job? So I love that all of those gestures and just a, let me loan you a blazer. <laughs> let me give you a blazer. Yes. <laughs> it's so true. Cause like, if you are like, I graduated college in 05, uh, started working at an office that was business professional a month later, like, like, like there wasn't any, like, I don't know. I just, that didn't, you know, there wasn't, and there wasn't a woman in the office to be like, oh, Sarah, like cover that up or whatever, you know, whatever, what have you. <laughs> we won't go into that. But yeah, it's, you know, it's all that. It's a whole, it's a whole package. How we present ourselves. Can I, can I add one thing I was thinking, Sandy, when you said this, which I think is so important. Uh, Sarah, somebody in 911 on the Facebook page this morning reposted something that I'd read yesterday and it just like hit me right in the gut that said, pretty is not the rent you pay to exist in the world as a woman. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> I also think assertive is not the rent you need to pay to get ahead. And I think this speaks to exactly what Sandy said, which is you don't, yeah, you want to find a spark in someone. But at the same time, not everybody is going to be some super proactive extrovert, going to get into your LinkedIn DMs, going to, you know, guys, if you see me at a conference, I'm, I'm in the corner, like not talk, like I'm, not everybody has that personality. And so to expect that like initiative and proactivity and vulnerability is a rent that somebody needs to pay to get ahead in their career is not fair either. So I think it is our responsibility to look down into our organizations and say, this person has potential. Maybe they haven't, maybe they haven't approached me because that's, that's not what they do, but I see potential there and, and I should reach out and, and, you know, have a coffee or, or have a conversation. So I love that, the, the whole reaching back concept, as opposed to kind of sitting and waiting for somebody to approach, to approach you, I think is super important. I love that. I love that. And kind of on uh, continuing on that, you know, the notion of the mindset and reframing our mindset. So this happens to be a panel of all of you leaders who, correct me if I'm wrong, but my impression didn't just sit around. Yes, you had, you know, mentioned having mentors and people that invested in you. But I believe at some point you all went from just sitting around waiting for someone to give you a seat at the table and you started to build your own seat or build your own table. So I kind of want to hear, starting with you, Sarah, an example of how you kind of built your own seat, built your own table, made your, started paving your own way. And yes, probably did get the invites to those other tables, but already started building and investing in yourself. So other women out there can learn from you. Yes. Um... This is super important because I think a lot of people will be like, hey, I gave her a seat at the table and pat themselves on the back and be like, I've done my job. Like I invited her. So here she is and good luck. Uh, so I was very fortunate. I got an invitation. I, I There was one, um, I worked with one one man who was just so, so supportive and he called me a leader long before I saw that in myself. Um, and words are important. We talk about that too. Um, so, so how you refer to people and how you encourage them is, is very important. And I just, he publicly called me a leader and, um, I took that, like, I took that in. I didn't, you know, have often we push compliments away. Like, no, not me. You know, I took, I took that in because that's something I wanted to be, right. I didn't feel like I was, but something I wanted to be. And, um, that empowered me to speak at said table, <laughs> um, which is so scary, isn't it? Like, I'm going to say something stupid. Everyone's going to think my ideas are dumb, you know, like that. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, having the courage to sound stupid sometimes, which I'm sure I did, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and giving yourself that grace to say, okay, maybe... You know, maybe someone else has done this before. Maybe someone's thought of this before, but not framing your question as this might be a stupid question, but um, but really, you know, sitting there and just having some sort of conversation at that table. And when we say table, it, it 
it could means different things to, to different people. Like mine was literally a board table, <laughs> but um, it could be just like in a conversation with your peers. It could be um, conversation with your boss. It could be anything. And um, unfortunately, those opportunities don't come around as often as they should. Uh, mm -hmm. So I guess um, doing the hard thing and, and putting yourself out there is something that really helped me. And it was scary. So freaking scary. <laughs> it still is really, <laughs> if I'm being honest, it still scares me, but um, just doing that when the opportunity presents itself is important and, and taking, telling yourself those things like I am a leader, I have something important to say, you know, unfortunately, I don't think men, I don't think men have to do that quite as often as we do. But you know, whatever gets you there, I don't really love the whole "fake it to you make it" thing. I love the believe that you are mm. until you are. You know, uh, so yeah, that's those are my thoughts. Thank you, and Lynn addressing that same thing. So if you get that invite to that table, that's great, right? But address that as well for me not shifting that mindset from just okay i got a seat at the table or when will they ever make room at the table for me to what does it mean when you start to build your own table or build your own seat what does that do for you professionally and personally yeah so i i love the concept of and this was this sort of swept social media you know a couple of years ago this whole concept of we're, we're we're waiting to be invited to the boardroom or waiting for equality um and equity and uh screw that let's just make our own tables love the concept there's a part of me that's just like it we we touched on privilege earlier in this in this call mm -hmm. like a little privileged right because there are <laughs> people that are you know or like, sorry, my circumstances are not going to allow me to run off and build my own business or, my, or you know, and so I, so I, you got to take it with a little grain of, of salt, um, I think. So I tend to think about it as the mindset is a great idea. Even if you don't end up building your table, let's just take this analogy way too far. I'm ladders, tables, all sorts of things today. But, um, but like one nail at a time, one board at a time, right? So it's just... What are the simple steps that you can take in your own life to be proactive? Because that's all it means is instead of waiting for something, you're taking action on behalf of yourself to propel yourself forward in small ways so that eventually if you're going to make a table, that's fine. If you're going to join somebody else's table, that's fine, whatever, but you're moving forward. So this is, this is sort of the category of things where I think like speaking up, Sarah, to what you just said, taking a training class, get a new skill, attend a conference, network, volunteer, Side hustle. Like there's so many like small things that you can do kind of on the, except for exercise. Cause I'm, I'm never going to be that self-disciplined. Um, but it's sure. So, have you noticed I've never signed up for your 5k Sarah? There's a reason. Um, uh, but <laughs> Sandy's like me either. Um, yeah. So, but, it, but it is, it is about just like, what is the next right thing? That's a whole Glennon thing. Her. It's like, what is the next little thing that I do? What's the what's the micro decision that I make that moves me forward? And it, I think if we if we concentrate on the table, we'll never get started because it's mm. huge and daunting and and you know sometimes impossible. I think it's just it's the next right thing. And and I think you do that enough time, enough times, and and the mindset, you know, it comes with it. I love that. Progress is progress is progress. Oh, yeah, I'm not. Were... No, I'm not. No. <laughs> so Valerie commented that goal, the goal is to get Lynn to sign up for the 2024 5K. I actually, I got a, like, under the desk treadmill and I actually did a 5K, I think a couple years, but it, it literally took like four days, so. You have four days to do this 5K. That should count, Lynn. That should count. It does count. <laughs> and Sandy, it's okay. what do you say on that, ma'am? What do you say talking about building, not even if the mindset of not building towards the table, but building just towards yourself, personally and professionally, and that's step-by-step. Step. What is your viewpoint on that? 
Yeah, I mean, so pull it back just a little bit further, right? To building on what Lynn said. Yeah, first you have to know what table you want to be at, right? Oh. That's the hardest decision that we will ever make is before you build a table, before you even think about that table and measuring it and the dimensions, which one do you want to be at, right? And I think it's important that we say it's okay if it's not a boardroom table, right? It is certainly okay if that's not the table you want to be at. If the table you want to be at is family, then that should be your table. And that's the one you need to concentrate on building and focusing on and finding the path to get there. Everybody's table is different. My table's very different than I think about my sister and her table, right? She, she's been at a company and been in the same job working on a lineman's crew with the energy company for 30 years. She didn't want anything else. She, she stepped up to bigger supervisor leadership roles and she's like, you know what? That's not my jam. I want to be on the front line with my guys. And that's where she is. She built her table completely outside of her work world. She built her table around being a person of faith with her community. And, and that's where she focuses her energy and her time. That's her table. She built it, right? That's right. What table do you want to be right. at? That's a really hard question to answer. And when you figure that out, then you can start working on it. But that's a, that's a, you know, I was, I don't even, I'm afraid to say how old I was when I even went back to college, right? I certainly didn't go as an 18 year old straight out of school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was having a lot of fun and doing some crazy cool things that I wanted to do the rest of my life. And my mother said, you know what, you probably need to get a real job. And so I did, right? I, so I wore a headset, but a different kind in a medical facility answering the phone as <laughs> for five years as a receptionist. And I went to school at night. And then that's when I said, okay, now what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I still didn't know after five years of night school and graduating. And I stumbled into furniture and I have no regrets. Um, so it's not always that clear. So, you know, don't beat yourself up if you don't know where your table is. It's okay. Sometimes the table finds you. Yes. I'm a, I am also a college dropout. I went for a, <laughs> for a hot minute and decided it wasn't for me. And then I went straight into the workforce, worked for years, and then they decided to go back yeah. and get a degree at night. And I ended up doing psychology instead of business, even though I was in business. If y'all want to get into leadership, get a psychology degree. <laughs> oh, that could be useful. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I, yeah, you just, yeah, it, there is no one path and no one table. And yeah, I totally agree. Yes, I, I heard someone speak recently uh, and talk about curiosity and getting curious about yourself. And I don't think we think about ourselves all that much as women, to be honest. You know, we do the thing, get up, like my life, right? I get up, I, you know, get the kids to bed, I go to work, get the kids from school, do the sports, get the kids ready for bed, cook, clean, like go back to bed. You know, it's we fall into this, you know, whatever it may be, um, go to work, come home, watch Netflix, <laughs> go to work, come home, watch Netflix, whatever it may be. And, you know, we don't think so much about what do I want my table to look like? What do I want to do? And, you know, I still don't really know. To be, <laughs> I still don't really know what I want to be when I grow up. So, you know, I think a lot of us are there and that's okay. Some people know, and that's great, but you know, we're always a work in progress. And if you're not curious, if you're not thinking, um, I remember I, I about a year ago, I got COVID and <laughs> I was in bed for a week and it, I don't remember the last time I was in bed for a week. It might've been in high school. And I remember having time to think, and it was like, whew, like, even though I was sick, right, there was quiet and there was peace. And, you know, I thought a lot about what I wanted to do. And, you know, I think whether if you start journaling or you keep journaling or, you know, I think we need some time with ourselves as women to really think about where we are and where we want to go before we can start to even construct a table. Is this great, Sandy, talking about all this furniture, all the furniture jargon for you? <laughs> I don't know what table I'm at, but I want an ergonomic chair. That's all. I, 
So we're going to go out of order quickly here because I believe it was you, Lynn, that mentioned when we was getting this together, talking about the door analogy. My oh, fact is you. We abandoned, we abandoned the door analogy. We can talk. We can talk. We can, it's a funny story. If anybody else that is anywhere close to my age knows that you read something and then you promptly forget it. So we were talking earlier when we were kind of prepping for this call that I had this fantastic analogy and I like searched for 20 minutes for yesterday. I couldn't find it. But the gist of it, I, I believe, I'm going to tell it terribly. I'm not going to attribute it to the actual original author, is that I think as women, a lot of times we approach a door, we attempt to open it. The first attempt doesn't work. And we immediately think, oh, it's my, like, I don't know how to open this door. There's something wrong with me because I, I can't, I can't open this door. Right. And the story goes on to say that in a lot of those situations, either the door swings the other direction or the door is locked. But instead of just being like, is the door locked or does it swing out instead of in, we immediately go to, or, or other people tell us, right? Oh, you just don't know how to open that door, right? Um, and that was very, yeah, that, hopefully I got it right. And if you guys all find it, post it um but i it, it that really resonated for me because i think it, it speaks to just imposter syndrome it, it, it speaks to just lacking our own self-confidence about our abilities that, that the first place we go is um is oh there must be something wrong with me as opposed to there must be something wrong with the constructs of this you know, yeah. the situation that I'm in or, or the people that I'm engaging with or the the systems that have been in place for decades that are that are kind of holding me back. So I would just, you know, as a general rule, I think take a beat every time you run into a, I was going to say brick wall, but now we're talking about doors. Um, take a beat and just say, is, is it me or is it the door? Because a lot of times it's the door and then figure out another way to come and get around it. Yes, that's that. Sarah, what, what is your thoughts on that? Because I know when we, we talked about that, that door analogy has stuck with me since. And it is, it's, it really is at the root of imposter syndrome. I know every, we use it and we talk about it, but it can't be talked about enough how much we gaslight ourselves. And we're, we're, it's true, we're more inclined to blame ourselves than, than to think it's the door. So Yes. What is your thoughts on that as well? Imposter syndrome, living with that and, and the door that <laughs> we're always, always running. Yeah. Um, sometimes I have to stop and look at myself from someone else's perspective. And what I mean by that is like, if I see Sam running into a door, <laughs> I just got that picture in my head. Sorry. <laughs> if I see Sam ring into a door, I'm not going to be like, why doesn't Sam know how to open that door? I'm going to be like, oh, that door's locked. Sam, what are you doing? Um, so you. <laughs> so um, when we make a mistake, which mistakes are vital to our growth, vital. Um, but if we make a mistake and the first thing we do is, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. Why am I so stupid? I shouldn't be doing this. This is not my thing. What am I doing? You know, the spiral, I call it the spiral because that's what I do often. Um, and and I have to stop and be like, wait, that's me. Like if someone else made this mistake, I would be like, oh, hey girl, next time, blah, blah, blah. And like, here, try it again, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's kind of been my mechanism because I've just, I've been like that my entire life and um, it does zero good. It does no good to sit there and be like, I'm such an idiot. I can't open this door. Like, zero. So um, I think the first thing is identifying that you're doing it um, is the first step. And then trying to figure out what works for you in terms of self-talk, because it's up to us to pull ourselves out of that at that point. I agree. And I, too, am guilty of not giving myself grace but it's easy to give others grace like i mm -hmm. would in a heartbeat like oh it, it's not you girl it's trust me it's it's that door it's is the doorknob whatever and sandy what is your thoughts as well ma'am on that of imposter syndrome and gaslighting and why don't we give ourselves grace 
Um, so I have a funny story I'll share in just a second about do really about doors, not an analogy land, but a real true experience with doors that's hilarious. Um, but you know, this one's tough, guys, because imposter syndrome is only when it's, you know, it's sort of trendy right now, right? People will say, I have imposter syndrome. It's become a social media sort of, you know, uh, it's okay. People want to be part of it because it's part of a community. So I encourage everyone to be careful in how you think about that because we're not going to beat out generations of being taught that we aren't good enough as women, right? So what's it say? We constantly, you know, for me, it was you know, magazines because social media didn't exist coming up. I was never as skinny as they were. I wasn't as pretty as they were. And I didn't have Farrah Fawcett's hair, which made me a failure, right? That gives a slight indication of my age. So we, that's, that's how we are brought up women still today, right? Oh, how pretty is that dress? And, um, but boys, it's, look how tall you've gotten. Oh my, you're so strong. So they're constantly validated. We're, this, we're not going to breed this out for several more generations. It's getting better, but we're not there yet, right? We, I know that I grew up in the generation where we were, we're special because we're girls, always. And so you've got to, this is where you can be your own hero, is get that out of your head. Get it out of your head because you are good enough everywhere around. And this is why I know that. So I am uh, I'm, I'm with three really wonderful gentlemen that I work with. Uh, one who actually designs the furniture that we build and engineers it. And uh, I'm with them at, a, at a, a, an event in San Francisco. And we're getting ready to get in a Tesla uh, to take us back to our hotel. And I went to open the door and I could not figure out how to open the door because there was no, you know, there, I'm from the South. We have, you know, we have door handles. There's no door handle there. And I was, I stepped back and I said, I don't know how to open this door. And so the lady who was driving us, she's like, I'll get them for you. And she walked around the car and opened all four doors. So we all pile in and I'm the girl, right? So I'm in the back seat in the middle because that's where we ride, right? That's where we ride, never shotgun. And so the boys are on the perimeter of the car and we get to the hotel and she's like, okay, guys, you know, we'll see you in the morning. I'll be by here about nine o'clock to pick you up. And no one gets out of the car because they couldn't figure out how to open the door. So you're just as good as they are, right? Just as good every second of the day. Only I was willing to admit it. That's awesome. That's how they <laughs> And we need wow. we need to admit it. We do. <laughs> we oh just make some cars. I mean, that's that's a that's a door problem. That's not our problem. We need yes. to have the it, yeah. the other thing I want to add about imposter syndrome, which really helps me, is that somebody I read somewhere, again unattributed, that imposter syndrome is just you having leveled up without noticing. Oh, <gasps> right. Like, so if you think about it, like I don't play video games, but if you think about it, like. You got to the next level maybe you didn't maybe you weren't like super conscious at the time and it's just your brain catching up with the fact that you leveled up focus on the leveling up part not the part that that you're not worthy or that you're not ready because you wouldn't have leveled up unless you had you had conquered what's behind you so i think when it does creep in for me i sometimes just i remind myself like okay this isn't this isn't a disconnect between my talent and my position. This is a disconnect between that I advanced and cognitively I'm just catching up to to where I to where I am. And that that's been that's been really helpful for me. So good. Yeah. You ate the mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> that's a Mario. Sorry, that's a Mario reference. Yeah, uh. really? I, mean, <laughs> oh. I just saw that movie with my kids. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Valerie, uh, Valerie, out, out in the comments, uh, we need a we need a um, we need a graphic about leveling up and your brain catching up. Just put it out there, okay? <laughs> because we need we need to capture that and hang on to that. That's so good. I not heard that before. That so. is so. And I I, I just want to uh, Kimber here. Uh, she quoted Brene Brown, and Brene Brown has my heart. As he says, vulnerability is the last thing I want you to see in me, but the first thing I look for in you. Yep. 
don't mm-hmm. you? <laughs> Leveling up really is hard. It really is hard. Oh my gosh. So we've touched on mentorship. We have touched on the mindset. We're clear. We've got to have community, right? It's, it's important to have a community. I mean, that's what 911 Woman is all about, right? It's a community of that it's empowering people. So 20 years ago, we didn't have the Glennon Doyles. We didn't have Sarah Sandbergs, right? Women's empowerment is here, it's out, it's accepted. But where do we go from here? Where do we go from here, y'all? Sarah, where do we go? And how do we make sure that we're facilitating access or pointing our, our women in the direction, our heroes, our leaders in the direction to continue empowering themselves? The resources, where do we go from here? Yeah, I think it helps to acknowledge that we have made progress because that always helps to make further progress. Um, I do believe we are blazing a trail. I do believe we've had incredible women who have come before us. And since we're talking about women in in 911, we have to mention Mary Boyd because we were just talking about her before. Um, you know, there, you know, we we've had women who inspire us and think about what that's done for you and how you can take the reins now. It's your turn. <laughs> um, it's our turn. And to take what we've learned and and reach back behind us and and bring other people with us. That's how we grow. You know, it's more shoulder to shoulder. It's not even like arm to arm anymore. Um, We need each other. And when we band together, like we have in Nine Wonder Woman, we're that much stronger when we can lean on each other, but still move forward. You know, that's what I mean, like the shoulder to, to shoulder. And what that means is mentorship and support and encouragement. And, um, you know, whatever that looks like for you in the situation that you are in, whether it be in the center, in an office, as a mother, one of the things you said, Lynn, is um, I think if you are in the workforce and you've had a child and you've come back to work, you're a mentor to all those other women who, one, don't think it's possible, two, are struggling. It's hard, right? So um, anything that you've done, you have knowledge to share and start sharing it, whether you speak in a panel, whether you speak at a conference, whether you speak at your center, you know, using your voice to speak up for something you believe in. All those little tiny things are so freaking important. They're so important. Don't think they're not. True. And Lynn, touching on community. Yeah. Yes, there's a lot of resources. How do mm-hmm. we continue to create access, help to create access and help to point women to the resources and where to go to um, yeah. for themselves. You know, I think if I think about sort of the the, the common thread between um, like Glennon or Brene or Hatmaker or just all of all of all of the people, um, it's it's the tipping point was when they created a community. You got your mm-hmm. pod squad, you got your TED Talks, so you got your I mean it, it, they they put out words into the universe, but until they cultivated a community of people around them, of like-minded people, and then they hand it off, you know, they still give content and resources and cues and all that sort of stuff, but their community grew around and almost separate from them. Um Bramley, if you're into Brandy Carlisle. Anyway, um, it's it, it that is the commonality. It's all these communities that become offshoots of a female leader. You know, it's not a cult, but it, you know, they, they become sort of a living organism. I think about that a lot with the, you know, we talk about building the table. I think that what Sarah's created, which is a community of women bonded by a common thread in one mm-hmm. industry, it, like yes all the resources all the content all the programming my favorite part about this community though is watching women sort of motivate and challenge like when somebody posts on our website on your web facebook page that like you can tell they've been gaslit to hell and they're like this is happening to me and this is how i feel and am i crazy and blah blah blah. and you see you see women running towards this woman being like no you're not crazy you're right like I'm sorry this is happening to you. Here's some advice about how to handle it. Blah, blah, blah. I would never say this about anything on Facebook, but if we could take that virtual experience 
and translate it into my office, Sandy's office, our our ECCs, our PSAPs, our like mm-hmm. our, our our churches, our communities, our schools. Like if we could take that that community and translate it into the real world, like we would be unstoppable. We would fix all the things very very quickly. I think so. I I don't know. I think we just have to keep on participating and fostering those communities. I think that I think it's the key. I love that. I love that. Sandy, what is your thoughts? Community, we need it. How do we keep facilitating it and facilitating those resources so we keep growing because we've made a lot of progress, but we've got to keep that movement and that momentum going. So what are your thoughts, man? You know, Sam, we have made a ton of progress, but we can't overlook the fact that the pandemic took a lot of that progress away from us, right? And because I'm in the world of build furniture for places where people work in all kinds of jobs, um, over a million women disappeared from the workforce in 2020 and 2021, right? And we know the pandemic wasn't even over then, right? We were, we were still in the throes of it. Those are a million women who aren't coming back. They aren't looking for unemployment. They aren't currently seeking jobs. They left because it got really hard, right? It was hard to take care of your children at home and and be the person that you needed to be for your personal community as well as give to work, right? And and so we've lost some traction as women, and and we need to we need to rebuild those resources so women coming up like Lynn and I did have the support that they need and building that community by what the work that Sarah and you, Sam, are doing, we need to amplify that. That's our responsibility, right? And and I'm honored to be part of this because I'm bringing a, a, a community that doesn't know what you're doing into the fold. And so that contribution, right? Little steps, giving an hour of time that makes you slightly uncomfortable right, is is to help say that women, we, we have a responsibility to one another um, to be that resource in our community. So that, don't stop, Sarah, keep doing what you're doing. Fantastic. You too, Sam. And Lynn, right, we're all carrying the torch. Oh, and that brings me back to kind of what we're talking about at the beginning, like it takes all of us, like all of the companies that support us and what we're doing, everyone who volunteers their time, like, yes, you all gave an hour today, but you gave so much more than an hour. You know, we did prep work, you you know, you thought about what you were gonna say. Um, And that's really, really important to point out. It takes everybody and, and by opening one little, again, with the door, by opening one little door and letting some more people in and letting them know what we're about, it, it just makes a world of difference. And we're so thankful that um, we had you all here today and we'll certainly certainly continue the discussion. So thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you. Great. Thank you. And if I could just get final takeaway, I mean, there's so many takeaways, (laughs) y'all. You can see from the notes and the interactions, but final takeaway, Lynn, what do you got to to end it up with? I think I'm going into furniture. No, I, I just, I appreciate, uh, you know, we, we sit on the outside. We call ourselves 9-1 adjacent. Um, so I appreciate the ability to join the cool kids for an hour. Um, we, we love you guys so much. And I, I often tell people that I work in an industry and I serve people whose job I could never do myself. And, um, oh, that's my takeaway is just, you're so appreciated. So loved. And you got, you have a lot of women and men out here adjacent to you that are just trying to make your jobs a little bit easier. So thank you. And we're thankful for y'all as well. Sandy, final words, man. I left it all on the table, Sam. I got nothing left for you. (laughs) (laughs) You threw it all down. I'm grateful. (laughs) 
number one, thank, uh, I'll thank Alexandra, who's on my team, a new powerful female on my team um, that's leading our marketing efforts that found Sarah and found 91 Wonder Woman and, and allowed me to be part of this, right? So a, a shout out to another woman that made this possible for me because um, it wouldn't have happened. So I'm, I am, I'm grateful and, and the hope today made some, some new connections and new friends and yeah, I'm building a new community. Yes. We're so happy to have you, Sandy and Alexandra. You are incredible. And yes, thank you so much for everything that you do. And thanks. Thank you for everyone who's part of this community. And um, if you enjoyed our, our panel, please share it. Please share our, our YouTube channel and our uh, podcast. And if you have any questions, the 91 Wonder Woman Facebook page is always there for you. That's what I got, Sam. Hi, guys. Thank you. Amazing panel. Join us again. Thank you all for joining us for this special edition. Y'all take care. Thank you. <laughs>